0: Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864 288 1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Now, here's this week's podcast.
1: Amen. It's good to see you this morning. If you're visiting with us, we are especially glad that you're here today. And uh, if you want to give us a record of your attendance by going to that back table and grabbing a gift bag as you leave, we would be appreciative of that. Uh, If you've got your Bible, if you'll open up to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. We are starting a new study today that will take us all the way up to December. Just in time for Christmas, somebody was saying this morning they went to a restaurant over this past week and the Christmas trees were out already. Yes, it's that time. How many of you are ready for cooler temperatures? Amen. Football. We won't go there. We won't talk about yesterday at all when the football... No, no, no. I am looking forward to seeing what God's going to do in the fall. Next Sunday, we have a very important, I I believe, historical what will be a historical day in the life of our church, so I would encourage you to be here and uh, invite everybody that you know that should be here as we uh, will decide next Sunday the next steps for our future as a church. Uh, When I've been reading through Ephesians in preparation for where we're going to go the next few weeks, uh, I've been encouraged. And I I love the book of Ephesians, and, and, and if you... Uh, We're hearing Olivia try to get through some of those words, thinking, wow, those are some big words. Those are big words. She did a fantastic job. Some of those words, yeah, some of those words, uh, you and I need to know what they mean. And I will just tell you, as somebody who grew up in the church, it was many, many years before I actually understood what those words mean. Um, Joey and I and Gretchen and uh, Gretchen's niece and a handful of people spent several days in Malawi, Africa. Uh, Heath and some of you spent several days with us in the Dominican. And I, I will tell you, and I've told you when we got back, that I would be sharing over the weeks and months some of the lessons learned. Here's one of those lessons I want to share with you this morning. In those parts of the world, when pastors who ride bicycles for four hours to hear white guys preach... They they aren't riding bicycles four hours to hear some things that will tickle their ears. They're coming in the hopes of hearing some things that will help them be a warrior for Jesus. And one of my takeaways the Lord convicted me of on both those mission trips, which is why I would encourage everybody who's physically able to get out of the United States once a, a year. Um, not that you can't see these things in the United States, but sometimes... Another location will help you see these things. What I came back convicted about is that oftentimes in North American Christianity, I'm not saying so much at crossroads, but in North American Christianity, we do a lot of teaching. And you sit and congregations sit and we listen. And that's not all bad. But if we actually applied what most of us have been taught, we would have enough in our spiritual toolbox to live out the rest of our Christian life and not ever have to hear another sermon, Sunday school lesson, Bible study. And my conviction is, and you'll see this come out hopefully in the next few weeks and months as our church goes through uh, disciple life and small groups and the messages from the pulpit, is that I want us to move as a church family beyond teaching to training there's a big difference you can't teach anybody how to do a 5k you have to be trained to do a 5k you eventually have to go out put your running shoes on and try to get through the first k and the second k and the third yeah and the fourth some of you have that do running know that you don't you can you can hear about it and you could learn about it and get it all in your mind but until you actually go out and try to run a 5k you've never you've never run a 5k my, my gut is that, again, in North American Christianity, not so much in our church, is that a lot of Christians have been taught, taught, taught all this head knowledge about Jesus, but we have never gone out and run the 5K. And that's why some folks, especially younger folks, maybe you're here today and you're a young person and millennials, generally speaking across our globe, are so bored with Christianity is because they've sat and they've learned all this head knowledge, but they've never been pushed out to actually go live it out. And so if you sense over the next few weeks and months, wow, Pastor Jack, you are pushing me out of my comfort zone. Welcome to my world. Because I'm getting pushed out of that comfort zone as well. As we start chapter 1 today, I, 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 if I was to label this message or give a title for this passage that we're going to look at, it would be the foundational things that you and I need to know to be a warrior. To fight the good fight that God has called us to fight. And it starts with knowing who you are. And I might even say knowing Whose you are. I remember when I was in uh, junior high school. I was a latchkey kid. And if you don't know what that means. That simply means my uh, sister and I would ride the big yellow bus home. Because both my mom and dad worked. And we had a key to get into the house. Hence latchkey. We would get into the house about 3.30 after getting off that bus. And we were responsible not to burn the house down. So they got home about 6 o'clock from work. And we had, oh my goodness, dare I say it, we had our chore list of things that we were also supposed to have accomplished before they got home at 6 o'clock. Vacuuming, making sure the beds are made, if there needed to be clothes put in the wash, maybe even sometimes pre-prepping dinner so it would be ready and not take a long time to eat. That sounds foreign to some of us now, but that's the way we lived back when I was growing up. And I remember riding that school bus, and I remember an older high school student starting to pick on me. I was a little runt, junior high kid, picking on me. And I remember him kind of getting up in my face and aggravating me. And I just remember the only thing that I could come back with that I thought might give me some ammunition was, my daddy's going to come after you. <laughs> and, and he backed down. He backed down. And friends, I think that same spiritual knowledge, if you and I have it as a believer, will help us live the Christian life victoriously if we remember who our daddy is and what he says about us. So let's look and see what Paul says to us in these verses with verse 3. We'll pick up and we'll stop along the way. And again, Olivia did a great job. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly Places in Christ, just as He chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Let's stop right there. Here's the first one. Here's the first truth. The first, if I can say, tool that you need to have in your toolbox. I brought my box with me this morning. And these are the tools that you need in your toolbox if you're going to be able to be a warrior for Jesus. And here's the first one. The first one is to know you were chosen. You were chosen. God chose you. Before the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us that God chose you. As a believer, you, you are chosen by God. And you actually were chosen before you brought anything to the table. Some of us worry that we're not chosen because we think, well, I'm not all that. Why would God love me? And some of us think we are all that because God obviously needs me. Look at me. Both are incorrect thoughts. God chose you before the foundation of the world. That's powerful. You didn't do anything to earn His choosing, you didn't do anything to deserve His choosing. Paul tells us it was before the foundation of the world, not only before God's people had a being, but before the world even had a beginning, God chose you. He just chose you. You say, why in the world did he choose you? Because he loved you. He loves you. He chose you because he loves you. I remember being that same junior high kid, and when we had. We would have intramural basketball. Everybody would get around in their little group and somebody would say, okay, you're the captain, you're the captain, choose. And inevitably it got down to everybody that had been chosen. Here stands Eason all by himself. And finally they go, okay, we'll take Eason, we'll take Eason. Some of you, listen to me, some of you feel that way spiritually. I'm going to walk around this morning. Some of you feel that way spiritually. A lie from the pit. I want you to know that this morning. As I was reading this passage this week, this is foundational to you and I living the Christian life. And some of you feel like God had you teamed up in a group of people and you were the last pick. That's a lie from the devil. You were chosen. He loves you. You were his first pick. I've heard it described this way if you were in. If Jesus had a picture of you and Jesus had a wallet and he flipped out his wallet, which I know we don't have wallets with pictures anymore. They're on our phone. I know, I know, I know. Old school. But if Jesus had a wallet, your picture would be in it. You are chosen. That's amazing to me. That God in his sovereignty would would choose you. He didn't choose you because of your brain. He didn't choose you because of your good looks. He didn't choose you because of all the standards that the world thinks And it tries to get us to think that we need to be chosen. He chose you just because he loves you. Man, that is ammunition to fight the battle that we fight every day. That is a tool I need in my toolbox when I'm going through life and the devil tries to tell me, you're worthless, you're nobody. Who are you? I can go, I am chosen. That's a tool you and I need. We don't use that tool a lot. And I'm not chosen because I'm something. I'm chosen because he's something. He's somebody. He's a king of the world. We were chosen, though, for a purpose. And Paul goes on to tell us in that verse why we were chosen. It wasn't just to be chosen to sin. We were chosen for a reason. It says we were chosen, verse 4, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. We weren't chosen just to do nothing. We weren't chosen just for our salvation. But we were chosen so we could grow in holiness, now I know some of us, we hear words like chosen and we hear words like predestined and that kind of gets in our mind and we, start, we can't comprehend it in our fi- finite mind how in the world all that works. All I can tell you is this, God, before the foundation of the world, chose you and chose me. I will tell you this, any understanding of God's sovereignty and God's sovereign choosing that will diminish... Our personal responsibility for holiness is not the full picture. And you'll have some people in the world who will tell you that it's all about God's choosing. And we sit back and we don't have to do anything. And it's all about God's choosing, so we don't need to share our faith. You don't understand the whole counsel of God's word if that's what you believe. I don't know how it works together and how it intertwines together. My brain cannot comprehend it all. But I know that God has chosen me, and God has chosen me and chosen you for a reason, and it's to live in holiness. But here's the cool thing even about that. Even our desire and our personal responsibility for holiness and sanctification, that big word of growing in our Christian walk, even that we can't do by ourselves. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about in a minute. So chosen that we should be holy and, and, and not because God saw in us that we could be holy by ourselves. God knew, before the foundation of the world as well, let this kind of play with your brain a little bit, that even in, our, even in His creation of man, we were going to fall short. So even before the foundation of the world, God knew that He was going to have to send a Redeemer. And Paul is going to tell us who that Redeemer is in just a minute. His name is Jesus. It's a pretty big God to be able to think through all of that. I get a headache trying to think through all that because my brain is so small compared to the infinite knowledge of God. But God's sovereign choice to choose you does not exclude our human participation and cooperation. As a matter of fact, if you go on and you keep reading, you'll get down to verse 13. And Paul will say that after they listen to the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, after we believe, then that's when the power of the Holy Spirit and the seal of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. But nonetheless, the first thing I'd share with you today, that first tool that you need in your toolbox, and I know i got a cheap toolbox because I'm cheap, but it is a box, right? It is a box. first tool you need in there is to know that you're chosen. The second tool that you need in there is to know that you're adopted. And he goes on to say this, you're predestined, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will adoption being chosen is one thing but being adopted is almost like another layer on it you see my mom and dad when they had me they they chose to conceive me okay we won't give a biology lesson here adults but they chose to go through that process to conceive me but guess what when I came out they didn't necessarily choose me they got stuck with me some of you maybe in this room have been adopted how powerful Because that is even another layer of being chosen that somebody came and they actually out of everybody they could have picked, they went, I want that one. You're adopted. He says, we have adopted. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 8. You have received not the spirit of bondage to fear because you have received the spirit of adoption by which you cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. And God has determined in His incredible sovereignty those that will be chosen, those that will be adopted. Hang on to that for a minute. That's like going to the restaurant and actually looking on the menu and going, I want that. I choose this. I choose this. If you're a child of God in here today, you are chosen and you are adopted into the family of God. I've heard people try to explain in our finite mind, the whole concept of how in the world predestination. Do you know what I mean? God chose. God chose before the foundation of the world. It doesn't negate your human responsibility. I've heard it explained this way. It's almost as if God was standing on a huge skyscraper and he was watching a parade. And the people who are standing down at the end of the block, waiting on the parade, they don't know what's going to happen on the parade. They don't know what's happening on the floats. But God, standing on the skyscraper, He sees every float. He sees everybody doing everything. They have the free choice to do whatever they want on all those floats. But He knows the whole process. He knows beginning and end. But the little four-year-old standing down at the end of the corner, waiting on the parade to come by, doesn't have a clue what's to come. That's an okay analogy, but I don't even know that that does it justice because even that doesn't comprehend the full mind of God. So you're chosen, you're adopted. A little cheap paintbrush there. What's the next tool that should be in our toolbox this morning? He tells us the next tool grace freely given. Here's what he says in the next verse, verse 6. Not only have you been predestined as, a, as adopted, Paul says, but you have done this because of the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us. Freely given grace. Unmerited favor of God. God's riches, I've heard it said, at Christ's expense. Nothing you could do to earn it, nothing you could do to deserve it. It's freely given to you, God's grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And this grace that God gives to us through His Son Jesus is the grace that allows us to be able to walk a life striving for holiness. So even in that desire for holiness, it's God's grace that gives us that. So that when God Himself looks at our heart, for those of us who know Christ, He sees the very holiness of God. And what else does he say? Not only the praise of this grace, but he says in verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. There's a song you may have heard on the radio called Redeemed. Seems like all I could see was the struggle, haunted by ghosts that lived in my past, bound up in shackles of all my failures, wondering how long it was going to last. Then you look at the prisoner and you say to me, Stop fighting a fight that's already won. That's redemption. There's some parts to redemption. Redemption implies that a price has been paid, a ransom has been paid. We've been redeemed. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but sometimes I give those coupons in the mail. It says, you know, take this into so and so restaurant and you can redeem this for a free meal. Or you buy one, get one. You come buy one, you can redeem this as long as you have this, and you can get an extra meal. You get something with that redemption. Redemption only, not only implies that the price for the ransom has been paid, but it also implies that there's a removal from the curse of the law. Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It also means release from the bondage of sin. So this idea of being redeemed, this redemption through God's blood is a big, big deal. And the neat thing is the redemption coupon, so to speak, that you are given as you become a child of God has no expiration date on it. Unlike sometimes those food coupons that I get. And then I go to the restaurant and they're like, sir, this expired in 2003. You say, how long is that redemption good for? That redemption is good as long as you are breathing. Some of you maybe have not accepted the fact that you're chosen and you are adopted and God's grace is freely given to you and you're redeemed. There is a cutoff point to where no longer you can receive that. You do understand that. I think it was at the Niagara Falls years and years ago. There used to be this sign. Right before the falls that said, Beyond Redemption Point. And you would have people, as you do in our world, crazy people who would get in their little floats. And they would try to get as close to the Niagara Falls as possible. And they have people up there who help crazy people. Who would throw lifeguards out or throw life buoys out and try to rescue them. But once they got beyond the sign, they knew, forget it. They're going over. They're on their own. Beyond Redemption Point. You say, what is that, Pastor Jack? What is beyond redemption point? I don't know what it is for you. But if you have never said yes to Jesus and you leave this planet without doing that, that's your redemption point. And the awesome thing about God is he wants to redeem you and I. Before we go over the Niagara Falls, so to speak, it's his redemption. Why would he do that? Why does he want to redeem us? He tells us in that verse why He wants to redeem us. Verse 7, He wants to do it because of the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. And that word lavished you only see a few times in the Bible. It's in 1 John. The word lavish is in 1 John. This, the same word for lavished is there when the woman pours the perfume all over Jesus' feet. It's that same kind of idea. Lavished, just pours it out. Extravagant love, extravagantly just lavishing upon us. That's the kind of redemption God has for you. And I, if we know Him. Redemption. Then He also says this in the very next verse. To the praise of His glorious grace. If you look back at verse 6, that's why He has redeemed us. To the praise of His glorious grace. Do you understand that you and I are a catalyst for God's praise? That's why it's so important that we become full, mature disciples of Jesus. Because when we walk out of these doors on Sunday afternoon and the world interacts and intersects with us, one of the the main ways I believe they will come to know Christ is they will see us and we will either be a catalyst for His praise or we will be a catalyst for people going, what in the world was that? Who was that? And they say they know Jesus. Wow, they They go to crossroads? I mean, it will be one of those two reactions. And Paul is saying to us, we can be a catalyst for God's praise. As a matter of fact, that is the very reason, dear friends, for our existence. The very fact that you and I are breathing air is for the catalyst of God's praise. That is the only reason. Everything else is fluff and just a bonus. I was telling a dear friend this week as we sat, he was having coffee and I was having my tea and he was asking him issues about life and I said, you know what? Our families are great. Having kids is great. Having a job and a career and a calling is great. Having a wonderful yard is great. All those things are great. Those are wonderful. But dear friend, those are all bonuses to the life that Jesus has breathed into you and I. The main thing that God wants us to do is to bring him praise. That's it. It's pretty simple. It's just one thing that He wants us to do is to bring Him praise. And we get it so complicated with all the other extras that He's given us. All the other delights of life that He's given us. He tells us that in verse 5 and 6 about bringing Him praise. But He also says at the end of verse 14 that Olivia read for us. We've got this inheritance. We've got this redemption of God's own possession. He says in verse 14, to the praise of His glory. That's why you and I are taking up breath and air today. Is because God wants us to give Him praise. I forget to pull out my tools out of my toolbox, see? Some of us have forgotten to pull them out this week. That last tool that we need, the last tool that we have in our toolbox is that seal of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit. We are marked with a seal. And he says it this way, I love this, verse 13, In Him you also listened to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The New American Standard says that way, I like that. The Holy Spirit of promise you were sealed, despite what some of our brothers and sisters in the faith may say. I just want to tell you, dear friend, when you were redeemed when you were chosen, when you accepted Jesus, when you received the free gift of salvation, is at that point that you also received the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're waiting on some second event to happen for you to get the Holy Spirit, that's not what the Bible teaches. Can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Can we quench the Holy Spirit? Yes. Can we grieve the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes. And if you are a believer or think you're a believer and you don't sense the power of the Holy Spirit, one of two things has happened. Either you were sealed with the Holy Spirit and you are continually grieving the Holy Spirit so that you don't feel His presence, not that you always feel it. Or the other option is you have never, you've never been saved, you've never been redeemed. Because the Holy Spirit lives within you if you know Christ. It's a free gift. He comes to reside into you. As a matter of fact, it's the Holy Spirit that comes to you and reveals you and convicts you of your sin. Friends, I don't just decide one day that I'm going to get saved. I know we say it like that in the church and it's incorrect. I don't just decide one day, you know what, I'm going to walk the altar and give my heart to Jesus. No. The Holy Spirit of God takes His supernatural jumper cables and touches my heart and goes, "Ching ching, You need me. I was the one that was lost. God was not ever lost. Jesus was not ever lost. Jesus knows where he is. See, Jack, you're all over the map today. You're walking around. You're passionate. I, yeah, I am. This is important stuff. This is the very foundational truths that help me walk in victory or help me get beat up by the devil every week. And I'm tired of getting beat up by the devil. I don't know about you. But if I remember who I am in Jesus and whose I am, that I am chosen, that I'm adopted, that I have the free gift of God, through His free grace, it's nothing I can do to deserve it, I can't be good enough, I can't jump high enough, I can't run fast enough, it is an absolutely free gift of God, I'm redeemed and all I'm redeemed for is to give Him praise. Wow, life gets so much easier. And then I have this seal of the Holy Spirit. The seal is like a, it's like a pledge to get our inheritance so that when Jesus comes back, we will be fully redeemed. Right now, I am being redeemed. I'm in the process of being redeemed. But when Jesus comes back with that redemption coupon and goes, guess what? By the seal of the Holy Spirit, you're mine. Come on, you're going with me. Hallelujah. I'm ready. The Holy Spirit, the, the Bible tells us, Paul is saying here the Holy Spirit is given as a pledge. Some translations will say as a deposit. Now, I don't know how Joey did this a few weeks ago. I know how Lynette and I did this when we moved from Spartanburg to Greenville. We found the house that we wanted. We had to put down something. It was called earnest money. And when we went to the buyer and we said, we want to buy your house. They said a part of the real estate realtor agreement was, okay, you have to put down some earnest money. And I think it was $1,000. Not cheap. I don't know about you. $1,000 is a lot of money to me. $100 $10 is a lot of money to me. It was $1,000. And if we didn't show up and follow through at the closing, guess what? We lost $1,000. My dear friends, I want to tell you something. Jesus has put a deposit on you and I. He has put down a deposit. Earnest money It's called the Holy Spirit. To assure you and I that He is coming back for you and me to take us with Him one day. That's a promise from God's Word that should energize you and excite you. If you feel the Holy Spirit in you, guess what? You have a deposit from the Lord God Almighty in you that says, I'm coming back to take you home. Do you have that? I hope so. It's a free gift. That earnest money, when I go to buy that house, is part of the payment. But here's the thing it secures that the full payment is going to come. And the earnest payment, the earnest down payment of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life, secures the fact that Jesus Christ is going to come back and take us. The Spirit's illumination in our life, the way He reveals God's Word to us, is like an earnest deposit of his everlasting life sanctification that process of growing in our holiness to god that's like an earnest deposit to us one day being truly holy 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 as the lord god almighty is holy when first peter says "be," when jesus said be holy as i am holy the only way you can do that is by the power of the holy spirit because i can't be holy by myself The comforts that we get through life, when we get bad news or we get discouragement or we face trials or tribulations, that comfort that we receive, that is earnest money until the redemption of when we're purchased in full and Jesus takes us home and there's no more sorrow and there's no more pain. We have full comfort and full joy in His presence. We have this guarantee, Paul is saying. This guarantee of being redeemed knowing that we can be a catalyst of His praise, being marked with that seal of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question that I would have for you and I today. Do you know those things? Have you received those things? Because it's free. Man, I'm telling you, if the world was to put a dollar value on that, it'd be a lot. And it was a lot. Because Paul said in one of those verses, verse 6 or 7, that the redemption came not not... Inexpensively, the redemption came by the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's how the redemption came. So it was expensive to get the redemption, but it's not expensive to receive the redemption. It's simply saying, "Yes, Lord Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for me, and I know that I am chosen and that I am adopted, and that the grace that I receive from you is freely given. And I want to be a catalyst of your praise. And I know I'm redeemed by you, and I'm asking that the that." gift, that seal of the Holy Spirit would come into my life right now. It's that simple. It's that simple. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I pray right now, in this moment, Lord, that you would raise up in our church family warriors for Jesus. Lord, the world has a way of knocking us down, trying to defeat us, discourage us, disappoint us. Lord, when I read these verses, I was reading them this week and I'm reminded I am chosen. I'm adopted. I'm redeemed. I'm a catalyst of your praise, Lord. You've given me grace. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. Those are tools, God, that I need in my toolbox. I need in my mental brain. I need in my heart. And Lord, I pray if there's Any friend here today who's never received that free gift from you. They can receive all those tools just by saying yes to Jesus. And so I pray, Lord, this morning, if there's anyone here who needs to say yes to you, God, that they would do that. And Friends, as you're seated there and you're hopefully praying. If you don't know the Lord Jesus today, I would just invite you in just a minute. We're going to have a song. I'm going to invite you just to come down and grab my hand or the hand of our teaching pastor, student pastor, my friend Heath, and just say, you know what, I need those tools in my toolbox. I need to know Jesus. And we will rejoice with you today. For many of us in here, we know the Lord. Maybe the enemy is so blocked and discouraged and defeated our mind and our heart that we've forgotten those tools that are in our toolbox. They belong to us as children of God. So maybe, dear friend, if that's you today and you just need the reminder to know who you are and whose you are. Like I had to do on that yellow school bus when that high school kid wanted to beat up on a little junior high punk. And I had to say, my daddy's going to take care of you. Maybe in the quietness of this moment, you need to thank God for those tools he's given you. If you know the Lord, I, I, I just want you to run down that list and just tell God. He already knows, but tell God that's who you are if you know Him. Just say, Lord, I am adopted, I'm chosen. I have grace freely given. I'm redeemed. I have the seal of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray you'd have your way during this invitation time. We give this time to you. pray your Holy Spirit would work in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how the Lord's speak into your heart this morning, but I pray you'd respond to whatever that is. There's room to come up here and pray. You can grab a friend right there in your seat and pray. I'm happy to pray with you. Heath will be here in just a moment to pray with you. If you need to come to know Jesus or you just need to grab hold of those tools in your toolbox, I pray you do that as we stand together. Let's stand and sing a song of him with the invitation.
0: We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you, or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at, hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again again next week